Island Church in Galveston, Texas welcomes you to our podcast. We trust that you will be encouraged by today's message. One of the things when I was at Sam's, he was on a series, like Rusty's been on a series, and Sam was on a series, How to Have a Bad Day. Anybody ever have a bad day? Bad week? Some of you have been having a bad year? Yeah. And, uh, and then as I was talking to Pastor Russell, he was talking about faith for life. So I want to share something. It may seem kind of simple, uh, but it's something that, that Shadi and I live in and walk in. It's a part of our life, and I believe that it'll be a great benefit for you. Uh, I'm not here to impress you with deep teaching because uh, Rusty's a much better teacher than I am. I mean, he, he, he'll teach the Bible upside down and sideways and pull things out of it. And, and, but I want to share something with you that if you'll begin to apply it in a daily uh, application, if you'll just begin to walk in it daily, it'll bring change to your life. Anybody interested in that? Uh, where we can apply uh, our faith to where it helps because we're not... Sunday morning Christians. We're not doing this just to come in, fulfill a religious obligation, and and do our thing, and then go home, and then the rest of the week we kind of struggle and strive and forget, you know, what is it that Pastor Rusty preached last Sunday? I mean, I don't know if you've ever gone to, uh, met somebody in a restaurant, maybe they didn't, uh, weren't able to make it to church, or maybe you meet some of the people that were in church uh, Sunday, and you go to the same restaurant, which happens a lot, and you get there, and somebody goes, ah, that was such a great message. And, and uh, or somebody who wasn't in church says, oh, I'm so sorry, I missed it today. Something happened. Uh, what did he preach on? Mm, I don't remember, but it was really good. <laughs> yeah. How many of you on Monday can't remember what he preached on Sunday? See, if you can't remember what was preached, it's probably not going to get applied. What you don't remember doesn't get applied. And it's the application of the word that brings a blessing in our life. It's the doing of the word that brings a blessing in our life. It's the, you know, those who hear the word and do it, those that are blessed. Those who hear the word and do it, those are the ones that lay their life on a foundation. And the reason we need faith for life is because life hurts. Life's painful. I love the fact that you pray for people in, in the middle of worship. We do that every Sunday. In, in between praise and worship, we have people come up because people are hurting. People are wounded. People are sad. And people get sick. People get disappointed. People get frustrated. Unkind, unfair, unjust things happen on a daily basis in life. And being a Christian doesn't mean that you're going to be uh, absolved from having problems. In fact, Jesus said, these things I've spoken unto you that in me you will have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. Another translation says temptations, tests, and trials. In the world, you're going to have temptations, tests, and trials, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So the world hurts. Life can hurt. And, And I don't want my everyday life to define me. I want my relationship with Jesus to be able to define me. Otherwise, My hurts, my pains, and my disappointments are going to define me for my future. And too many people have allowed their past to define their future. And the only one that can come in and help that, heal that, restore that, and change that, and remove the regret regret that a lot of people seem to carry, is the love and the mercies of God that works every single day. You know, the Bible says, great, you know, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never, never, say never. Never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. To me, faithfulness is one of the greatest attributes of God. I mean, I love his mercy. I love his healing. I love his provision. I love all that he does. But the fact that he's faithful means whatever he does, he always does. See, he's not, he doesn't just do it once in a while. He's faithful, reliable, dependable, steadfast, unchanging. He's always that way. And, be, and if you really get a hold of that, then that last song that we sang, I would encourage you to find the, the CD or whatever it is, get it on your phone or whatever it is that you listen to music on. And if you don't listen to worship music in your car, in your house, then you need to begin because worship needs to be a part of your life. Uh, What I'm doing right now is temporary. I'm a temporary communicator, but I will be an eternal worshiper. You know, 
Amen. I, I will only teach and preach while I'm on planet Earth. When, once I leave this planet, I'm done teaching and preaching. If there's any more to be done, I think Jesus can handle that. We'll listen to him. Maybe if Moses has got a word to throw in there, I don't know. You know, uh, maybe Abraham might want to say something, but I doubt seriously I'll be doing a lot of preaching and teaching, but I can guarantee you I will be continuing to worship. I would encourage you to make worship a part of your life. It's not just a, 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 an aspect in the beginning of the service. It needs to be a part of our lifestyle. You know, the Bible tells us that we are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto us. But in John, Jesus tells us that the Father is seeking true worshipers. Not only am I seeking him, but he's seeking true worshipers. And so I guess one, one of the things that I want to share about this morning is just gratitude, giving thanks. It needs to be a part of our everyday life. Worship, giving thanks and gratitude. Now, uh, I'm not going to go through the whole series but because that's probably what I tried to do last time. Uh, I'm not going to do it this time. But I have three words. I'm only going to touch on one. The first word is gratitude. The second word is generous. The third word is gracious. And the amount of gratitude in your life will determine generosity in your life, which will establish graciousness in your life. I want to be a gracious person. And a gracious person is a generous person. And I've never met a stingy person that was not a worshiper that was not grateful. My gratitude helps me to establish and to get fixed on where my source really is because I acknowledge who he is on a daily basis in my life. My wife is one of the most grateful people that I know. She's on a daily basis, she's always giving thanks. We have a, uh, a small house in Florida. It's two bedrooms, two baths. It's not real big. Uh, Pastor Rusty's been there, but to her, it's a palace. She loves that little house. And every single day, she'll, she'll, she'll walk through, and I, I hear her every single day, Lord, thank you for my little house. Thank you for this house. Thank you for, for what you've blessed us with. She's always great. Last night, we were in a car. We were in the, in the car. I was with, with Pastor Rusty, and, and she called me up just to tell me that she's so grateful uh, looking at different family members and some of the challenges and the pain that she sees and what people are going through. She goes, sweetheart, I'm so glad that we, we persevered, that I'm just so grateful we didn't give up, we didn't quit. When, when, when people tried to split our church in, in the persecutions and the slanders and everything that we've come through, whatever's attacked us financially, physically, what's ever attacked our marriage, we, you've hung in there and we've loved each other and we've, we've persevered. And, and I just want to let you know I'm so grateful uh, for the legacy that we're leaving and demonstrating in front of our kids. And she just called me up to tell me how thankful and grateful she was. And, and because I was sitting next to Rusty, he said something to make him laugh. I said, yeah, baby, you know, you just, you know, I'm glad I'm in your life. You're just the luckiest woman in the world to have me. And, uh, I, you know, I, I don't always talk like that, but I just said that because I figured Rusty needed a laugh. And of course he did chuckle, but she's grateful for me. I'm eternally grateful for her putting up with me for over 40 years. I think she's a saint. And, uh, yeah, Shadi and Nia, both saints. And, uh, yeah. So I want to talk about gratitude this morning, giving thanks. And uh, in the Passion Translation, which I really like, and Mark is a new convert, Sam's a new convert in the Passion Translation now. In John 16, 33, I quoted that where Jesus said, these things I've spoken unto you that in me you would have peace. In the Passion Translation, it says this, Everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you. See, the reason you get taught from this pulpit is so the peace that he has becomes yours. But it's, it's something that you have to take and to apply. That's why you have faith for every day. That's why you learn to walk in love so bitterness doesn't begin to eat you up and resentment doesn't begin to consume you. And anger doesn't control you. That's why all the teaching that you hear, if you'll take it and begin to apply it, it will bring a difference into your life. Everything that I've taught you so that peace, the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. Life is not meant to be a struggle but a rest. For in this unbelieving world you will experience trouble and sorrows. But you must be courageous for I have conquered the world. Now, see, there's strength and there's courage. 
Strength is that which begins. Courage is that which does not quit. Courage is, is a strength that does not falter, that continues when it gets challenged. And, and, and this is where God was talking to, Mo, to Joshua and says, have I not commanded you to be strong and courageous? So begin in strength, but courage causes you to push through when you hit challenges. It's kind of like the disciples when they're caught in a storm and they go and they wake Jesus up with the prayer that many of us have prayed when we're having a problem because we're convinced that God does not care about our situation. And, of course, they voice that out. And they say, don't you care that we're going to die? How many of you have ever had a problem that seems so bad, and because of what you feel or what you sense, it seems as though God does not care? Oh, come on. Do we have any honest people here this morning? Come on. How many of you ever thought that because things were so bad, obviously God didn't care? Because if God cared, bad things wouldn't be happening. But we know that's not right theology. So what, what, what we feel and what we sense is more real, has become more real to us than what we believe. And so they question, don't you care that we're going to die? See, they're more aware of the wind and the waves outside of the boat than the Jesus that they have inside their boat. And too many times with a lack of gratitude, with an inconsistent worship, worship cannot just be Sunday morning. It's got to be every day. It's got to become a lifestyle. The worship... Worship and the giving of thanks needs to be part of our life. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. I'll bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not. You know, what you give thanks for every day, you don't forget. What you consistently practice, you don't forget how to do it. I will bless the Lord at in small times. His praise will occasionally. Now, that's more realistic for a lot of believers, but it's not what the Bible says. I will bless the Lord at, come on, say that a little bit stronger, at all times. That means when I am hurting, sad, mad, don't want to rejoice, and would rather slap somebody. Come on, ever been there? A few more honest hands this morning. Some of you are just in denial. I will bless the Lord at his praise will beware. That means it's there and it's coming out. See, a grateful heart will have a rejoicing mouth. And a rejoicing mouth is not determined by circumstance or situations. Because we're going to go through storms. And that's why you have to build. And this is what your pastor is doing. That's why faith is for everyday life. You build in the calm so you can stand during the storm. If you don't build during the calm, when the storm comes, you don't stand. Why? Because you have played in the stand and not dug into the rock. There are some intentional things you purpose to do. You purpose in your heart. I don't care if you have to write a note after today and put it on the front of the refrigerator or the bathroom mirror, whichever place you frequent the most. <laughs> and just ask yourself, what have you given thanks for today? Who have you given thanks for today? Because who you give thanks for, you celebrate. Who you do not give thanks for, you eventually just tolerate. And you will find no joy, no peace, and no celebration where there's just toleration. Some of you, that's a word for your marriage. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> How much do you celebrate the person or you're more irritated than you find more irritation than celebration? Because it's so much easier to hold on to the things you've become an accountant. You're keeping track of that which has gone wrong instead of showing appreciation for that which you do appreciate. It causes relationships to die. It causes marriages to become stale. It causes friendships to become cold. And you just begin to tolerate, and this celebration is gone. And, and, and I believe we, we, we need to be so filled with the joy of God, people think we're stoned. I mean, seriously, we need, we need to have a joy about us that people think something's got to be wrong with you. Your situation is like this. 
I'm in the same problem. I've got the same problem you do. You have a smile. There's words of life coming out of your mouth. The other people are complaining and murmuring. Listen, it wasn't just idolatry that kept Israel in the wilderness. It was murmuring and complaining that kept them in the wilderness. Some of you are going to be walking in sand a long time until you get, begin to stop the complaining and the murmuring and begin to rejoice. Say, but I got nothing to rejoice about. My rejoicing is not based on my circumstance. My rejoicing is based on my Savior, who Jesus is. You know, I give thanks unto the Lord because he is. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is. Situation may stink, may be extremely bad, but my rejoicing is not because of circumstance or situation. My rejoicing is because the Lord is good. I give thanks unto the Lord because he is good and his mercies endure forever. Other people's do not. His do. Other people are going to give unto me maybe according to how I've given unto them. That's why you have to be careful about your marriage. What you give can't be based on what you received. You don't go into it for what you can get out of it. You go into it for what you can pour into it. And if you begin to stop your giving because you haven't received, well, then that is why you're gone into toleration and you've stopped the celebration. I would encourage you, get a piece of paper, get one of those sticky notes, stick it on the places you frequent the most. Like I said, bathroom mirror, refrigerator door. What have you given thanks for today? It's a habit. How many of you got, no, don't raise your hand. How many of you got some bad habits? Well, come on, you know what you do, don't lie. How do you know you can replace bad habits with good habits because good is greater than bad? But it's intentional. What am I going to give thanks for? Who am I going to give thanks for? I give thanks for my friends every single day. I, th I thank God for Rusty and Leah. I really do. I thank God for the friends that I have. I don't take them for granted. I've only been, Shadi and I have only been able to do what we've done because of friends in our life. If you knew the statistics of, of how long missionaries do not last in nations of the world, you'd realize that Shadi and I are a point, point zero zero something percentage. Out of 100 missionaries that go to a different nation after 10 years, there's only 10% are left. No, after, after, after five years, 20% are left. 10 years, 10%. 20 years, one. After 20 years, out of 100 people, there's only one person left that's gone to another nation. We're going into our 40th year. What does that mean? We're just stubborn. No, what does it mean? It means that we have friends that have loved us and believed in us, and then we, when we face some of the greatest challenges we've ever had in life, we could open up and felt that we didn't have to perform to impress them. We could be real because if you hide a real pain, let me tell you, hidden pain will turn into a public death. And so you got to have people you can get real with. That's why I thank God for this church that you're developing a community of believers where you can get real with one another and, and people are not going to gossip and slander where they're going to believe the best and hope the best to get you rebuilt because every one of us is a work in, pro in, a work in process. Amen. Go ahead and tell the person next to you to say amen. We're all a work in process. It's not a philosophy, principle, or doctrine. It's a relationship. God's word does not change. Jesus does not change. And that's why as I acknowledge him daily in my life, and I know this sounds really, really simple, but how many of you take time to worship God on a daily basis? How many of you take, and, and listen, and I don't mean get a piece of paper and write out a confession where it, it's, you're, you're just reading something to just say that you did it. That's just works. There's no faith in it. There's no heart in it. And it just becomes a, a religious obligation. And that's where some people's even confession of faith has become no more than a novena that other people used to read. Well, I said the words, you know, you know, slow down. It's just become a, another form of works. I wake up in the morning and, Lord, I thank you for a brand new day. I, I thank you for your goodness and your mercy that's new and fresh in my life today. 
Thank you that I'm walking on two legs today. My eye, both eyes still see, both ears. Well, one of them doesn't hear too good, but that's only because shooting too many guns and, and you know, my own stupid fault for not wearing ear protection. And, but thank you for so much. I encourage you. Get a piece of paper. Do it. What do you thank God for on a daily basis? Who do you thank God for? You know, who you thank God for, you can't gossip about. You ought to have your pastor's name on the top of the list. Thank God for my pastor. Thank God for Pastor Rusty and Leah. Thank God for Island Church. Thank God that I can be planted in the house of the Lord. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. Thank God that I have a man and a woman, and there's a staff in that church who cares about me, who cares about my family. Thank God for that church. I mean, you, you, you should be thanking God for your pastor every single day. You should be thanking God for your church every single day. Uh, if you haven't been to some of the nations of the world where you can't have stuff like this, you, 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 it's where we take for granted what we have in other nations of the world. It's, it's not as easy and as obvious as this. You, you, you ought to thank God for this every single day. In Acts chapter 16, verse 25 and I'm not going to get into this. I'm just going to refer to it where Paul and Silas, they're in prison. They've, uh, he cast a devil out of a uh, girl that had a spirit. And uh, he gets arrested, gets thrown in prison. In Acts 16, 25, it says, and at midnight, they began to sing praises. He's been arrested. He's been beaten. He's thrown in prison. And what do they do? They begin to worship. What, what does God do? He, he shakes the prison. The Bible says that they began to worship, and all of the prisoners heard them. It wasn't something quiet. It was something loud, and all of the prisoners heard them. And when God shut the prison, every prison door came open. Those who did not sing, their doors came open also. As a result of these two men singing hymns unto God and giving thanks and praising after something painful had happened, no blame, no complaining, they began to worship. And God turned their situation around. And too many times we allow the pain that we've recently been through to take the praise and the thanksgiving out of our mouths. We don't understand why did it happen. I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I don't understand why things happen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. There's been many times I've prayed and said, Lord, I, don't, I really don't understand what's going on. I'm in a lot of pain. I don't like what's going on, but I still trust you. I, I don't understand why this is happening. I, I pray that you give me some understanding, so if there's anything where I've missed it, please show me. But sometimes it's just because you're in the world. Sometimes bad things happen because you obey God, not because you disobeyed God. Sometimes bad things happen because you are a threat to the kingdom of darkness and he doesn't like what you're doing. He doesn't like your giving. He doesn't like your obedience. He doesn't like the countries you're going into. And if he can't kill you, if he can't kill your wife, then he'll try to kill your kids or he'll try to destroy your marriage. He'll try to attack your finances. But if you're a threat to the kingdom, he doesn't like that. And so sometimes horrible things or, or damaging things will try to come against you. But like Paul said, you've watched the persecutions and the afflictions that happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, Derby, and Lystra, but out of them all, the Lord delivered me. See, if there's anything the enemy wants to do is to get you twisted into beginning to blame God for what's going on. No, I, I may not understand what's going on, but I know that the Lord is good, and every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation, not even a shadow of turning. So I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise will continually be in my mouth. Isaiah is here. She's a, a witness to this. When Sister Shadi was fighting through cancer, and she began to lose all of her hair, and she was sick. She was so sick. Not only dealing with cancer, but also a TB at the same time. And she would lay on the couch in the living room, and the worship team would come in. Sai was a part of the worship team, and they would come in and 
we had a piano at our house, and they brought in a guitar, and the worship team, about seven or eight of them, and for a couple hours, all they would do is just sing songs and just worship, and Shadi would just lay there in the presence of God, so sick she couldn't get off the couch, but she says, I just, I, I don't want just a, a, a CD. She goes, I want some live worship. I want some worshipers around me. And so Sai was a part of that, and they came in the house, and that worship, it just brought strength because in the presence of the Lord, there is fullness of joy. See, when you begin to worship, when you begin to give thanks, your focus gets on him. It gets off you. It gets off other people. It gets off the devil or whatever else is going on, and you get solution-focused, not problem-focused. And so they would come in time and time again, and they would just work. Now, I would tell them, listen, sing all kinds of songs, but no glory songs. Don't say anything about the glory, because if the glory comes in, shoddy will leave me. Jesus or me. I know it's, I know it's close. No, it's not even close. She was so sick when, when she first got cancer, she was throwing up 20, 22, 23 hours a day. She, weight was melting off of her. She couldn't sleep. Her, her, she was in so much pain. She couldn't eat. She could, got to where she couldn't drink anything. She was getting dehydrated. We, had to, uh, we have doctors in our church, so they came to the house, and they would actually put an IV on in the bedroom so she didn't have to check into the hospital. And after a couple days of that, uh, and, and then I got some kind of a, a cold, so I couldn't sleep in the room, so I slept in another bedroom. I woke up in the morning. I was just checking some email, hoping Shadi was getting some rest, and I have an email from my wife saying, sweetheart, I've decided to go to heaven. I closed my laptop. I went in the room. She's awake, and I, I said, what are, what are you talking about? She goes, I can't fight. I'm too weak. I'm so sick. She goes, I haven't even started treatment for cancer yet. This team heat medicine is killing me. I said, well, we're going to stop it. She goes, honey, my lungs are filled. I said, I don't care. We're going to stop that medicine. And we just knelt and wept. And then we worshiped. The next day, we had the worship team come in. I said, just sing, but no glory. <laughs> Healing, presence, goodness, just no glory stuff, okay? I said, Jesus, touch her, talk to her, please. If you're going to show yourself to her, tell her she has to stay. I mean, I didn't need to tell Jesus I needed her. That's pretty obvious. It's like, yeah, you're telling me you need her? Yeah, believe me, I, I know more than you do. That became a, uh, a, a habit in our life every single day. Sam Carr gave me a great word. He said, Paul, shrink your world. Let everybody else do what they can do. You do what only you can do. When Shadi would be so sick that she would have to lay just go back to bed at 5 o'clock in the afternoon and just be there for the rest of the day and rest of the night, I made sure that I was laid in bed next to her. You know, other people can teach, other people can preach, other people can lead uh, uh, meetings for the staff. Nobody's going to lay in bed next to my wife. That's my place. And, and even if she would turn over, she, could, she would always reach over and just, he's there. So between his presence and I made sure my presence was there, we read the word and we worshiped. It was a strength unto her life. Well, that's been eight and a half years ago. Shoddy's 100% cancer-free. Amen. But... But what that did then is still a part of our life now. It's not like something that you do. Say, okay, well, that, that was a part of our life then. No, no. Once that becomes a part of your life, it never ceases to be a part of your life. 34 years ago. And, and this could have happened. This, my, my son Ryan was born, and we were in Manila. And... Uh, because he was born in, in, in Manila. And 
my daughter Brittany was three years old. Shadi went into the hospital, and, and so we have a little, little baby boy. And so uh, I get news that our deposit, you know, from our, our financial support came in, and 80, 75 to 80 for, 80% of it was missing. So I don't know if there was a devil in the post office stealing mail or everybody, even I thought heaven forgot who I was that month. I couldn't get my wife and my son out of the hospital. Because one other thing about the Philippines is they hold you hostage. You don't pay, we're going to keep your wife and kid. They were being held for ransom. The only problem was that is the bill keeps getting bigger and bigger. Let me tell you how bad you feel as a man and a husband when you cannot get your newborn son or your wife out of the hospital because you have no money. Should I have planned better? Most likely. But with what came in every month, it was already planned that the money that came in that month would be more than enough to pay the bill. But guess what? It didn't come in. What happened to it? I don't know. I have no idea. We were staying in a house not very far from the hospital, so me and Brittany, Brittany was three years old, we walked to the hospital. I couldn't even hardly afford the taxis to go there. And I'm trying to explain to my three-year-old daughter why mommy and her new little brother can't come home. So I just said, well, they're resting. So I went to the hospital and, and explained everything to Shadi. She says, listen, sweetheart, go, go back to the house. Go in, close the door, and worship and dance before the Lord. Yeah. I have a lot to dance about. She says, go home. You know how, you know how small I felt as, as a father and a husband? Pretty small. I thought, man, I failed my wife. I failed my newborn son, my daughter. And, and my wife says, go home and worship and dance. Worship was tough enough. Dance? <laughs> Went back to the house, closed the door, and this was my dance. That's all I had in me. I didn't have much worship. But 30, 45 minutes later, it broke loose. I started getting happy. I had nothing to be happy about in the natural. But Jesus was still the same. The Word was still the same. God was still the same. And so I had to get my eyes off my pity party of what kind of a lousy provider and, and, you know, I was. I had to get my eyes off the fact that I owed so much money and my wife and my son are being held ransom by the hospital. I got happy. Had no natural reason to be happy. Got a phone call from Shadi's best friend that she was going to fly into the Philippines and and someone had given $1,000 for us to, uh, help, to help with a bill. Oh, all of a sudden, I got happier. <laughs> Sometimes natural things do make you happier. I mean, $1,000, that'll make you happy. Yeah. She flew in when she arrived, took her to the hospital, dropped her off, and, and uh, left Brittany with her, then went to this part of town to change money where they give the highest rate of exchange, which is not the best part of town but they get the highest rate of exchange. When I'm standing in line, I get up to the thing to exchange the money. I have Lois's money, and then I have my money that she's given to us. And so they're counting it out of dollars into pesos. And as they finished counting it out, somebody bumped me on the arm, and I turned. Then I, then I, and I turned back. She's putting all the money in an envelope. They give it to me. I get in the taxi, and I think, okay, on the way to the hospital. So I begin to count it all out. So I think, okay, I'm going to divide Lois's money, and then I'm going to divide the money that's for us. As I began to count it all out and count Lois's money, I realized that when that person that bumped me was a part of a, a setup, that when, they, when I turned, they switched the amounts. And after I counted it all out, the only money was left was Lois's money, and my money had just got stolen. Now, I already felt small. How much smaller do I feel now? 
I have to go to my wife in the hospital. I can't get out and say the $1,000 that just came in just got ripped off. Tell me how good I feel. Tell me what Shadi said. Go back to the house, close the door, worship, and dance even loud, even bigger. If you thought I had less dance in the beginning, I got cement feet now. Not only do I feel bad, now I feel really stupid. Anybody been there? What kind of song do you have at that time? What kind of dance do you have at that time? This is faith for life. This isn't stuff we just preach because we're trying to impress you with Bible knowledge. We live this stuff. I wouldn't still be in the Philippines if I didn't do what I preach. I'd be dead between sickness, disease, or I would have quit. Went back to the room, closed the door. It's me again. It took me a little longer, but I got my happy dance back. I just began to dance. I, I locked the door because I know I looked like a fool. Man, I'm dancing, I'm twirling, I'm thinking, I'm going to, Lord, this is going to be between me and you because I don't want anybody else to see how my rhythm ain't that great. But I just got happy before the Lord. Called Shadi up. I said, she goes, you okay? She's asking me if I'm okay. She's being held hostage. Yeah, I'm okay. I mean, because she knows as a man, I'm, I'm just really going through it. I get a phone call the next morning. It was a, uh, a Saturday. The guy calls me. He goes, Paul, I hear you're in town. I said, yeah, uh, my son was just born. And he goes, look, I haven't, he was a pastor of a fairly large church. He goes, I, I have an emergency come up. I have got to leave the country uh, today. He says, I have no one to cover my services on Sunday. And he said, what, do, do you have time to cover my services on Sunday? I went, uh, let me think about it. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Six services. You start in the morning, you preach all day long. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm here. I'm not going anywhere. I'm thinking, yeah, my wife's held captive. She's a prisoner. And yeah, I, I could do it. I could do it. He goes, man, I really you have no idea how much I appreciate it. I said, no problem. I'll do it for you. And uh, he didn't know I was in town. I don't know how he heard. So I show up Sunday, told Shadi, just rest. And she goes, oh, I'm, I'm good. And her friend was there with her. My son's getting bigger by the day. And <laughs> so I, I go to preach. You, you don't think the devil's trying to beat me up Sunday morning? I, but you know what? It was already too late. I already got my happy back. I got my joy back. I got my eyes back on Jesus. Never mind the circumstances, never mind anything else. And so I went in and preached six services. And, and, and every service at the end, they said, you know, before the pastor left, he said, we just need to take a, an offering uh, for Pastor Paul today. And, and, and his, his pastors came up to me and said, you know, we never do this. We've never done this before, take special offerings. You know, the church always gives an offering. But I don't know what, I guess maybe it was a last-minute thing, but he goes, Pastor just really wants to bless you. I'm thinking, oh, you have no idea. I didn't tell any, nobody knew a thing. Nobody knew a thing. If you're going to have faith, you need to have faith between you and God. There's a difference. Some of you think you have faith, and it's not. It's called hinting. If you're telling everybody what you're believing for, you're hoping someone's going to bite. Your faith is not fishing for someone that you can hook. Because then what's going to happen is when you really need it and a person doesn't show up and your faith is just between you and God and it doesn't work, you're going to be in trouble. Faith has got to be between you and God, not you and hoping someone else will feel sorry for you. Faith is not someone else's sympathy for your situation. You know, a pastor can get up here and say, well, you know, I'm really believing God for a piano and somebody's going to help him get it. Someone in the congregation that's believing God for a piano doesn't have a platform to use to let everybody know what they're believing for. You're believing God for, for something, 
then you believe God for it. Don't tell 25 people hoping someone's going to be your answer. I didn't tell anybody what was going on. Left that night, they gave me a brown paper bag. Went back to the house, began to count it all out. The next day, went to the hospital. Ryan was made in the Philippines, born in the Philippines, and paid for in pesos. <laughs> Amen. The bill was totally paid. That pastor has no idea how God, you know, I don't know who told him, how, how, and it came after the, just, you say, well, that would have happened anyway. I, you think so? The thing is, even if he would have called me to preach, what condition would I have been in to preach a word? I wouldn't have had a, a heart that was light. It would have probably been a lousy message, and I would have helped nobody. Are you getting in? Is this helping anybody? Psalm 61 verse 2 said, I cried unto the Lord when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You know, besides the story of uh, Paul and Silas, uh, Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles chapter 20, verse 2, just one verse I like, when they're surrounded by so many enemies, one of the things they said, said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. See, what worship does and what a, an attitude of gratitude does is it keeps you focused on your source. It keeps you focused on the source of your faith. It keeps you focused on the source of your provision and the source of your joy, of the source of everything in your life. It just keeps you focused. It keeps your heart light. And, I mean, I've shared stories with you of, well, one goes back 34 years, one went back uh, eight years, or I could talk to you about 15 years ago when people tried to split our church and, 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 and things were ugly and the slander and things were just so, so bad and the devil tried to convince us that Filipinos didn't love us and didn't like us and it was time for us to leave and, 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 and the Spirit of God said, listen, that's a small, small group of people. There are so many people here that, that love you and appreciate you in any way. You just need to get your eyes back on Jesus. Get your eyes off people. Get your eyes back on Jesus. You think about it, when, when after Jesus rose from the dead and he was talking to, to Peter, and then after Peter denied him, he said, Peter, do you love me? I don't even know he asked Peter three times. And, you know, and... It, Obviously, it correlates. Peter denied him three times, and, and so Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? He never asked him if he loved the sheep. He just asked him if he loved him. Because whatever you're going to do is always going to go back to him. Your ability to love people is only going to come because you love him. Your generosity towards people is only going to come because of your love for him. Everything, your graciousness in life towards people and in everyday life is always going to go back to him. I love my wife. I let her know all the time, not just by word and by action. Let me just go ahead and wrap this up so I don't duplicate last year. Let me just read this in James 1, 2 in the, in the Passion Translation. Is anybody, are you getting something out of this? I hope so. James 1, 2, you know, it says, Count it all joy, my brethren. But in the Passion Translation, it says, My fellow believers, when it seems as though you are faith, facing nothing but difficulties, see it as an invaluable opportunity to experience the greatest joy that you can. For you know that when your faith is tested, it stirs up power within you to endure all things. And then as your endurance grows even stronger, it will release perfection into every area of your being until there is nothing missing and nothing lacking. That's faith for life. So who do you really know and trust in and rely upon and believe in and act on, not just hear about? So it's not just an accumulation of knowledge, but it's the application of wisdom in everyday life. 
First Thessalonians 5.16, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, in everything give thanks, in everything. Not for everything. I mean, I didn't thank God for cancer. I didn't thank God for all the things. I don't thank God for the things that are happening, but I thank God in the situation for who he is in my life. And I don't just give thanks when things are good. I'm giving thanks when things are bad because that's when I need to really get my focus and my attention on my faith who the one in my source that will see me through it. It's temporary. It will pass. What carries me through it is my gratitude, my appreciation, my praise, and my thanksgiving. Listen, thanksgiving sanctifies. When the Bible says, when, when Paul is writing concerning things that you should not eat, you know, when he was talking about meat that was offered to idols and stuff, he said all things are sanctified by the word of God and prayer. See, when you pray, when you give thanks, that thanksgiving has the ability to come in where something was evil or its intention was bad. It actually has the ability to sanctify it and make it all right for your benefit. It'll see you through. Your thanksgiving brings a sanctification into your situation. Regardless of whatever the plans of the enemy were, God can take what was meant for evil and turn it around for good. He didn't intend the evil, but he will come to wherever he's invited. And it's your praise, it's your thanksgiving, it's your worship that is an invitation for him. Every time you begin to give thanks, every time you begin to give worship, you, 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 you're inviting God into that situation. I would encourage you, you need to invite God into your situation on a daily basis. When things are great, wonderful. When things are bad, even more necessary. Just a few more verses. You still with me here? I was... Uh, I've been real busy taking care of my mom and dad since I've been back. And uh, I, I have a Harley in, in Florida, which I really like to ride. I've been so busy, I've only ridden it once. And I was riding it the other day, and this, and it just, just different verses uh, that come up. Uh, Psalms 95, uh, verse 1 in the Passion. Come on, everyone, let's sing for joy to the Lord. Let's shout our loudest praise to our God who saved us. Everyone come meet his face with a thankful heart. Don't hold back your praises. Make him great by your shouts of joy, for the Lord is greatest of all, King, God over all other gods. Psalms 96 verse 1 also in the Passion Translation says, Don't stop. Keep on singing. Make his name famous. Tell everyone every day how wonderful he is. Give them the good news of our great Savior. Take the message of his glory and miracles to every nation. Tell them all about the amazing things he has done. Go ahead, sing your new song to the Lord. Let everyone in every language sing him a new song. And then this other one, Psalms 35, 27, everyone's heard this. Let them shout for joy and be glad who favored my righteous cause. And let them continually say, let the Lord be magnified who takes pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Well, I was going down the road on my bike, and all of a sudden that hit me. And the Lord said, go ahead. What does that say? It says, let them shout for joy and be glad. He goes, well... I just had to make sure that, and I'm saying, Lord, I'm going to go ahead and do this. Just don't let any bugs go flying into my mouth. So if there was anybody on the road next to me, I just started shouting for joy. Of course, I'm out in the country. I'm riding my Harley. And I just start shouting for joy. It says, let them shout for joy and be glad. So I just started shouting. How many of you have let? circumstance, situation, people, relative, husband, wife, kids, whatever, steal your shout of joy. You need to get your shout back. Let them shout for joy and be glad. Now, let me read this in the Passion Translation. But let all my true friends shout for joy, all those who know and love what I do for you. See, if you know and love what he does for you, you won't lose your shout. Let them all say, the Lord is great and he delights in the prosperity of his servants. Then I will not be able to hold it in. Everyone will hear my joyous praises all day long. Your righteousness will be the theme of my glorious song 
of praise. So good. One more verse here. Where'd it go? Hebrews 13. Rejoicing, praying, thanksgiving are all acts of our will, especially in times of difficulty, weakness, and uncertainty, and they all, it always requires faith. I want to read this in Hebrews 13, 15 through 17. So we no longer offer up a steady stream of blood sacrifices, but through Jesus we will offer up to God a steady stream of praise sacrifices. What's a sacrifice? Giving something sometimes when it costs you. These are the lambs we offer from our lips that celebrate his name. Now, I want you to show there's three different categories here that progress and are affected as a result of you doing this. Number one, as we offer up the sacrifice of praise, which King James says, which is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks unto his name. And then it goes on to say, we will show mercy to the poor and not miss an opportunity to do acts of kindness for others. For these are the true sacrifices that delight God's heart. You see, from acknowledging him and worshiping him and blessing him, we do not get blinded to the opportunities that surround us. See, praise and thanksgiving and gratitude keeps your eyes open, not only for what God is doing in, in your life, but how he wants to do, use your life to touch the lives of people around you. Because if you are blinded to see what God is doing in your life, you certainly are not going to look for any opportunity to touch anybody else around you, because you could care less about anybody else around you, because you're consumed with your own pain, your own problem, your own hurt, and your own wounds. But when you can get beyond that, then you do not miss the opportunity to do acts of kindness for others. For these are the true sacrifices that delight God's heart. And then obey your spiritual leaders and recognize their authority. For they keep watch over your soul without resting, since they will have to give an account to God for their work. So it will benefit you when you make their work a pleasure and not a heavy burden. My gratitude directed towards heaven benefits me. It benefits the people that are around me, and then it honors those who have taken respons spiritual responsibility for my life to watch over my life and shepherd my life. Your gratitude, your appreciation, your praise, your giving of thanks will bless your life, strengthen your life, bring freedom and liberty and joy back into your life. It'll cause you to see the opportunities of those that are around you where your life can now be a blessing and then you'll also have an honor and appreciation for those that God has blessed your life with to speak over and to not become a burden for them because they're here on your benefit. Your gratitude and appreciation, your faith for life affects this, it affects this, and then it touches this church. Gratitude, appreciation, giving thanks. I pray every one of you before this week is over has a stick of note on your refrigerator. I, come on, I dare you. On your refrigerator, what are you giving thanks for? You might look into your wallet and say, man, I don't see gold dust, I just see dust. <laughs> well, until you begin to give thanks, there's a lot of things that aren't going to change. Because the giving of thanks, again, puts your focus back on your source. Who is your provider? Who is your healer? Who is, he's your all in all. Make it a part of your life. In challenging times, good times, bad times, ugly times, I will bless the Lord at his praise will. Oh, come let us exalt the Lord together. See, see, when you exalt him, when you magnify, magnifying the Lord doesn't make him bigger. You can't make God. A magnifying glass doesn't make an ant bigger. It just gives you the ability to see with clarity. 
Oh, when you magnify the Lord, it is the clarity of who he is that becomes so big in your life. You don't make God bigger. You just begin to see the bigness of who he is. And that comes with praise and thanksgiving and worship. And it's not just on Sunday. It don't limit God to your Sunday morning experience. Amen. Just help anybody. Well, let me pray. Father, I thank you that we are doers of the word. And no matter what the challenge is, physical, mental, emotional, financial, marital, Lord, I thank you that these are just very practical truths, so needed and necessary in our everyday life. We need this in our business. We need it in our homes. We need it in our marriage. We need it with our kids. You, you, you may be on the edge of a breakdown because of the challenge of your kids. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in these sons and daughters. I think your Rusty and I are a great example of sons and daughters that were just lost as a goose in a snowstorm. But your mercy and your kindness and, and prayers of people sustained us and kept us. And we walked before you, and we have walked before you for years. You kept us alive. I thank you for the sons and daughters that you're keeping alive, that you're bringing back, that will walk before you and honor you. I thank you for the marriages that, that need a turn. I come against the harshness and the ugly words that have been spoken out of frustration and resentment. Words of gratitude and appreciation. Lord, bring a celebration back and, and remove the toleration that has just kept things at a status quo. Even if it has to be spoken in faith, love for a husband or a wife or a son or a daughter. Remove the, compla the complaining and the murmuring and the griping. Let our words be seasoned with salt that administers grace and empowering to the hearers. Out of the abundance of our heart, let our mouth bring forth life. Life. Life and death and the power of our tongue. Let us eat the fruit of life beginning with a thanksgiving. If we can't find anything good, get our eyes back on Jesus. The perfect one. Lord Jesus, we love you this morning. I thank you for touching hearts and bringing a tenderness back into lives, healing wounded hearts and beginning to remove the anger and the resentment that's been built up. I thank you for a humility that you can whisper through so wisdom can wake us up and not pain that has to shout through walls of pride. Help us to humble ourselves under your mighty hand, and that you exalt us, for you give grace to the humble. We are in need of you in everyday life. So we thank you. Thank you for your blood that has washed and forgiven us. Thank you that we're accepted in the beloved. Thank you that you've made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Thank you for renewed minds that lead to a, a renewed and transformed life. Thank you for this house. Thank you for this church. Thank you for Pastor Rusty and Leo. Thank you for this community of believers that we can belong to and grow in and our families can be safe here and grow and increase our sons and our daughters. Thank you for the safety of this house, the love that's in this house, the miracles that are in this house. Thank you for the cars that we go out to in the parking lot. Thank you for the restaurant we're going to go to. Thank you for the food we're going to eat. Thank you for the homes that we live in. Thank you for the two feet, the legs that we're walking on, the ears that can hear the voice of this pastor today, the eyes that see. God, bring a gratitude and appreciation back into our lives where we have minimized Thanksgiving and help us to be a grateful, appreciative people. Let us not lose it. Let us not get lost in the searching for the gaining and 
begin to celebrate what we have, being content with what we have and trusting you for the more that you bring into our lives, you adding to our lives as we seek you. Lord, thank you for grateful people, thankful people. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for who you are in my life. I thank you for my wife, my kids, my grandchildren, my friends. I thank you for my wonderful church. I thank you for your purpose that you put in me that still amazes me. And I thank you for your grace, your ability, and your power that makes it all work. So it's not in my own strength, but it's you who is all the while effectually at work in me, energizing and creating both power and desire to do your will and your desire and your delight. And I thank you. I thank you for your goodness that's new and fresh every day, that your mercies follow me all the day of my life. And my cup, it just runs over. So as a congregation this morning, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.